0: Last little clip that you saw, I told you the other night uh, you would see it. uh, All the kids lined up there and those black Bibles that were uh, on the little desk that would be had. Those were Bibles from BLMF. And so those of you that are giving to that, uh, I always like to say we're the ones that that follow the downstream. You know, you you have printing ministries, and then they're going to give them to somebody. We're one of the ones they give them to, and we follow and make sure that they actually get into the hands of people, and uh, so, uh, but anyway, that that was the the Catholic school that I told you we were invited to come do chapel at, and uh, we said, great, we have a gift for every student, and they said, what is it? And we said, a Bible, and they said, oh, that would be wonderful, and uh I will tell you what, what a—you never know what you're going to experience when you're on the mission field, right? It's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's always an adventure, and uh, it's—you um, got to learn to improvise, adapt, and overcome. But uh, anyway, it's good to be here. Take your Bibles, if you would, open them to Second Corinthians chapter number eight. Second Corinthians chapter number eight. I do hope that you'll plan to come tomorrow at 2 for the international dinner. Uh, uh, My wife is going to be making a Thai dessert uh, called mango and sticky rice. And so if you don't come, that just means I have to eat it all. (laughs) It is delicious. All right, and if it, if you've never been to Asia, then, uh, boy, you're just missing it on some of the desserts, especially that mango sticky rice, and you, you saw the man in the video who said, thank you for the Bible to Thailand. He knows I love mango sticky rice, so every time he comes to get scriptures, he brings Brother Hall an offering, <laughs> mango sticky rice, and, uh, my wife, uh, I spent all of June with Brother Bowen over there, and she said, you're supposed to be losing weight. And I said, I'm not. I said, Brother Bowen and Brother Samart are not letting me lose weight. And so, anyway, it's, it's been good, has it not? Amen. And I want to thank you for your patience last night, and I don't want to thank you for your patience tonight. Now, I, I don't plan to be as long as I was last night, but it's Friday night, just in case. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, would you stand with me please? We'll look at the first six verses, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. You can breathe a sigh of relief, I won't preach the whole chapter like I did last night. Just the first six verses. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 1, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, How then a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God insomuch that we desire Titus, that he, as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Let's pray. Father, as we've come here Friday night to, Lord, uh, the Faith Promised Missions Conference of Calvary Baptist Church. Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of these folks to be here. Lord, thank you for these folks uh, taking time out of a Friday night to come to church to hear more about what you say and the area of giving to get the gospel around the world. Now, Father, we need you. Lord, you've promised that if two or more are gathered together, that there you'll be in the midst. Lord, there's more than two here tonight. So, Lord, we invite you in. We ask you to come meet with us. Lord, we ask you to help us to not just be hearers of the word tonight, but help us to determine to be doers of the word also. Now, Father, please, I pray that you would help me tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill me with your power. Help me to say what it is exactly that you want said. and Lord, I pray that a great work would be accomplished to get the gospel throughout the regions beyond Memphis, Tennessee, because of this conference. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for what is accomplished. For we ask it in your precious name. Amen. If you would please be seated. Now, as we have been looking at Second Corinthians chapter number 10, then Second Corinthians chapter number 9, and now we come to chapter number 8 tonight, we look and we see in these first six verses a very interesting example that Paul uses. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, is he not? Because this is the epistle, the second epistle, the second letter that he writes to this church at Corinth. And he is using uh, some other churches as an example to this church at Corinth. He says, uh, uh, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And God, or Paul is about to use uh, these churches in Macedonia as an example to the church at Corinth in this matter of giving. All right, Now, so that you understand, the churches in Macedonia would in- include the church at Philippi, would include the church at Thessalonica, it would include the church at Berea. All right, Now, I, boy, I like the Berea church. They search the scriptures daily, whether those things are so. And, uh, but he is going to use these three churches and, and their example or how they gave as an example to this one church at Corinth. Now, without taking a lot of time so that you understand, the church at Corinth is really a more materialistic and more wealthy church than these three churches over here. And and he is pointing out, if you would, the example to the rich church about the poor churches. All right, And he's saying, if I could get the rich church to understand the truths of giving like these poor churches have, and how that God has blessed them, he says, "Them you'll receive the blessing also. All right? As I said some things last night, you know, a lot of times you take the gospel to the poor because they receive it more. In chapter number 9, uh, Paul addressed that and talked about that a little bit. But Paul is having to deal with the rich church now, the church at Corinth. And y'all are looking at me going, Brother Hall, we're, we're not the rich church. But that's exactly my point, is he uses the poor churches and their understanding of this matter of grace giving. All right, and look with me if you would. We're going to dive right into it. And by the way, if you want to know more about those churches, you can study the book of Acts as well as the letter to the church of uh, uh, Philippi, the Philippian, uh, book of Philippians, and first and second Thessalonicans. And you'll learn, uh, just a little side note, I'll chase this bunny trail. It's always amazing to me that when you look at the book of Acts with the church at Thessalonica, Paul was there three Sabbath days. He was either there three weeks or he was there two weeks and three Sabbath days. But he was not there for a very long time, yet there was a church established. We live in a day and age where people say, you can't establish a church in three weeks. And I say, well, you better go back and read the Bible. Maybe we better get back to doing things the way Paul did them. And we'd see churches established and we'd see the gospel spread and churches being established in multiple locations because it wasn't dependent upon the personality of Paul but upon the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? And so we're going to look and study about these. And I use the term faith promise giving rather than grace giving because I believe that the Bible teaches in chapter 8 and chapter 9 this matter of faith giving. All right? As Brother Michael said last night, and we use Hebrews, without faith it is impossible to please God. And so I want us to notice tonight, first of all, look with me in verse number 2, and realize that these churches gave out of their poverty. They were not giving out of their abundance. And now look with me in verse number 2. He says, these churches of Macedonia, how then in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. In other words, their deep poverty abounded to their great giving or their faith giving, their liberality in giving. I don't know if if you've ever heard somebody pray this, but I've heard guys come down at the offering time and they'll pray, Lord, help us to give of our abundance to you. You know, the honest truth is, is God looked at the widow that cast in her two mites, and He commended her more than any others, because she gave of her substance, not of her abundance. There's a lot of times that people will say, Oh, I can give of my abundance. And people that have little substance say, Oh, well, I can't give. I don't have abundance. Hey, the widow gave of her substance. And these churches in Macedonia, they were in deep poverty. But they're understanding that, hey, listen, it wasn't what their paycheck said, but it was who they served and what he could provide for them that caused them to abound to the riches of their liberality. All right, Now, uh, it is amazing to me, and it is sad to me, that many times Christians will cut back on giving their tithe, even though their tithe is not theirs, it's the Lord's, and they'll cut back on their offerings And any time that there is a certain financial hardship in their life. We don't seem to cut back on our cell phones. You're not going to like me tonight. You know, I'm old enough that I can remember when we lived life without cell phones. And the sad fact is, is uh, I, I forget what it is, it's, it's something like 60% of Americans spend more than $100 on their cell phone every month. And yet they say, preacher, I, I don't have any money to give to get the gospel out. Now, these churches in Macedonia, when the financial hard times come, they understood that that was the time that God could really step in. Right? They didn't cut back their giving just because their finances were in a pinch or in a bind. They lived with their finances in a pinch and in a bind. Some of us can say amen right there. All right? But it's an understanding, as I said last night, God is not up in heaven wondering and worrying about what the Dow Jones is doing at the stock exchange today. He's got a whole different type of economy. And the believers in these churches did not stop giving when there were setbacks in their life. They kept on giving in spite of the hard times that they were facing. Verse number 2 reminds us that they were facing a great trial, affliction, but it says the abundance of their joy... They had an abundance of joy. Joy comes from obedience to God and what He wants us to do in our life. It comes from obedience to the Word of God and there goes everything. Amen. And, uh, but uh, we've got to get to the point that we understand my joy comes from my obeying God in His Word and what He wants for me to do. And when I am an obedient child... I get the better blessings. It's kind of like every parent can relate to this. When you tell your child to do something and, uh, and then you leave to go somewhere expecting it to be done by the time you get back and you come back and it is not done, they are a disobedient child and they look at you and say, Dad, can we go get ice cream? you're not looking at them going, yeah, hey, jump in the car, let's go get ice cream. No, you want to wring their ever-living neck, don't you? Because of their disobedience. But now, wait a minute. If you come back and you told them to clean their room, and you come back and not only is their room clean, but the house is clean, and they say, hey, Dad, can we go get ice cream? You're a little bit more going, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, Jesus said when we've done that which is our duty to do, say we are unprofitable servants, we ought to go above and beyond. I think He went above and beyond for us. Right? And by the way, there are people yet to hear about His going above and beyond for them as well. And so verse number 2 reminds us they had an abundance of joy. And when you stop and think about it, You think about Elijah and how that you know the the famine came and the drought came to Israel at the time of Elijah. And the Lord said to Elijah, I want you to go to the brook cherith. Now, does you know there was only one time in that story where God didn't provide, and that was when the book dried up, and he had already made provision for him to go to Zarephath get you to Zarephath, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee there. I've often thought about that. Can you imagine Elijah comes strolling into Zarephath and he looks at a widow woman and he says, hey, go get me something to eat, would you? Now, I just kind of figure Elijah's probably somewhere around that 40-ish age. But, you know, he's a grown man. He's probably able to provide for himself. But he looks at a widow woman and says, now you need to provide for me. How many widow ladies would look at us now and be like, go get it your own self. But wait a minute. God told Elijah before he ever got to Zarephath, I have commanded a widow woman to provide for thee, to care for thee. And you stop and think about that. And she said, all I have here is a, a, a little cake. I'm going to get some sticks. I'm going to put it together. I'm going to make it for me and my son. We're going to eat it so that we can die. And he says, okay, make it for me first. He, he completely ignored what she was saying. Make it for me first. And he says, hey, the cruise of oil will not fail. And it didn't. God didn't send Elijah to the riches of the rich in Zarephath. He sent him to a widow woman that had just enough. But God said, if you'll be obedient, I'll make sure that just enough comes around tomorrow too. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And the sad thing about it is, is we don't live in just enough. We want more and more and more. Just be honest. Look at the houses that your grandparents had back in the 40s and 50s and the size of the houses now. Hey, I know that four people can live in 324 square foot because we live in a motor home and there's four of us. And just take a look at me. I'm not the smallest person in the world. But we can get by. We can do. Elijah did. And, and you know, we need to pray and decide what God wants us to do. You need to pray and decide what God wants you to do. And this matter of faith, promise giving. Now, now let me help you out tonight. Let me give you an illustration. Because this, this is a church in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. These are people that are that he is using that are giving out of their poverty. All right? Now, this is just a little something I told your preacher about, and a little something just to, for you to think about a little bit. But uh, how, how much would God give through you that He wouldn't give to you? How much would He give through you that He wouldn't give to you? It's kind of like, okay, Lord, I get it, and I give it out. Anybody, you, you remember that, Brother Howell's silent sermon. Because we stopped giving through us. All right. Now, maybe you're here and, boy, you're really struggling with what God wants you to do. Can I ask you a question? Would you be willing to put God to the test? Would you be willing to put God to the test? Because he's the one that said Malachi proved me herewith. All right. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. And again, last night I said, it would be easy. See, the tithe is easy. We know what it is. It's a percentage. It would be easy if the offering was a percentage. It'd be easy. But can I help you tonight? Why not make it a percentage? You're looking at me now. Preacher, help me out. Come here. All right? For numbers sake. All right? All right. These are just hypothetical numbers. I don't know how much he gets paid, so, all right. But so for numbers sake, let's, let's say the preacher gets paid $500 a week. So help me out. What's his tithe? $50. And he prays and feels that God would have them to give $50 extra to, to Faith promised Missions. All right, so now help me out. Uh, how much of a percentage is that? 10%. But now, wait a minute, that's 10% based on what? $500. Because that's what he gets paid right now. Well, let's say the first of the year rolls around and y'all decide that you like him. And you're going to give him a raise. And so you raise him up to $600 a week. Well, guess what automatically increases? His tithe does, does it not? Automatically. So, so if God blesses him, God knows that the tithe is going to increase. Right? So why not, if he says, well, I feel God would have us to give $50 a week for faith promised missions. And he says, okay, that's at least 10% of what I make right now. Then why not go ahead and decide that if God increases your increase, you're going to increase not just your tithe with your faith promise as well. Well, Now, let let me say this. I think you ought to put whatever number you feel God wants you to do for faith promise, keep that as a minimum. Keep that as a minimum. You know, if I don't have a meeting, I don't get a paycheck. (laughs) But I still have my faith promise commitment. I still have my minimum. I'm not going to tell you what it is. That's between... Me, my wife, and the Lord. But we have our minimum. But I put it on a percentage as well. I asked my wife before this conference, I said, figure it out. What will God give through me that He won't give to me? But He'll allow a little bit to stick to me if I'm continuing to give through me. Thank you, preacher, very much. And so, the, the the you know, when you stop and think about them, uh, why not do something like that and encourage God to trust you? Now, Lord, I, I don't have much, but whatever it is you lay on my heart to give, that's what I'm going to give. And God, if you bless me, I'm going to continue to increase my giving. See that's kind of putting God to the test a little bit. That's kind of saying, okay, Lord, prove you said prove me, so here's what I'm going to do. Here's the amount I feel you want me to do. and Lord, I'm going to do that regardless. But you figure out what the percentage is, and if God starts to bless you with more, then it's not more that's just It's more that you're saying, okay, God, I want to help get more, more gospel out there. You know, you, you watch Brother Michael's video. and I, There was one part that I looked over at my wife and I grinned. It was the open air meetings. You know why? Because that little screen that he had behind there and that little projector and everything, the church that I pastored provided that for it. You know how we did that? We did that by above budget givings. By people that looked and said, hey, you know what? God blessed me with some extra. I want to give a little bit of extra. I, I didn't pastor rich folks. But it's not the rich folks that are. God came to the common man. The common man. And so they gave. They gave out of their poverty. God is using the poor church as an example in their giving to the rich church. May I say number two? Look with me in verse number three. They were willing to give beyond their power. They were willing to give beyond their power. In verse number three, for to their power I bear record, and yea, beyond their power they were willing of themselves. You see, most people aren't willing to give what they're able to, much less give what they're not able to. How can a person give more than they're able to? You say. You ask the question. Well, Brother Michael hit it last night. It's called faith, faith, faith. And as I said last night, faith is not saying I'm going to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Faith is saying, Lord, I'm going to to trust you with this next step. And then I'm going to trust you with this next step. And then I'm going to trust you with this next step. See, a lot of people look at me and they say, Brother Hall, why in the world did you leave the pastor? Why in the world did you leave a beautiful home? And I'm going to say this. uh, My pastor, I had it made. I had a wonderful church, people, and boy, God was blessing and everything. And and they said, why did you do that? And I said, well, obedience to God. And they said, but you had uh, your house provided and this provided, a paycheck and everything. And you're stepping out with nothing. And I said, no, I don't have nothing. I have God. Say, say, did you get there all of a sudden? No, 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 no. Several years back, many years back, when God called me to leave corporate America where I worked for a Fortune 100 company and made good money to go start a church from scratch. And they looked at you and said, Brother Hall, you are going to starve. I will have you to know I am two sizes larger than what I was when I left corporate America. Because God will be a debtor to no one. And when you obey Him and step out by faith, He blesses faith. Because without faith it is impossible to please Him. When you step out by faith, you see God do miracle after miracle after miracle. It's called, you come home one day and your wife looks, because there's four kids and she looks at you and she said, I'm ready to kill them. You're taking me out to eat. I don't care if we got any money or not. And you say, okay, because dates are cheaper than divorce. (laughs) And you go to the restaurant and the whole time you're praying, you're going, God, this is going on Visa because I ain't got any money. But Lord, I need some money. I need some help. You got to help me out. And you come in and you sit down and you order up the food and, and you know, you 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 pray for it and the food comes and everything and you think nothing about it. And then an elderly person walks over and says, "Are you in the ministry?" "Well, yes, ma'am." I thought so. What what made you think that? What your children are so well behaved. I'm going to praise God for once. <laughs> and then you prayed for your food. And she said, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for what you do. Okay. Well, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate you stopping by. Only to find out later on that she picked up the check. Yeah. And you're like, yes, Yes. Now don't try it after the service tonight. Don't leave going, I'm looking for something. Because it comes at the times that you don't seem to expect it. Right? But they were willing to give beyond their power. Faith, promised giving is trusting God to supply through me, not to me. Did you hear that? Faith, promised giving is trusting God to supply through me, not to me. I'll give you a scriptural illustration of what I'm talking about. Hannah and Samuel. A- Hannah wanted a child and she did not have the power to have that child herself. And she prayed and asked God, God, if you will give me what I do not have the power to get myself, if you will give through me, I will give him back to you. And he did and she did. The great example of faith giving. She prayed and asked God for a man child. She did not have the power to have a son. But God has the power to do whatever he wants to. And if we will step out by faith and give ourselves to him they first gave their own selves if you would they were willing to go give beyond their power Uh, now listen i i know what it's like you know you step out by faith and you're asking god to step in and supply you know when my wife and i first got involved with faith promise missions given you know I, i sat there and i thought to myself uh good night we were young and we had kids and we had bills and, and we, you know, just getting started out and I'm sitting there going, man, I need to give and, and and I did like most people do. I looked at the budget and my wife's looking at me and she's like, what do you think? And I'm going, "Mm -hmm. well, and my wife's, we got to step out by faith. If you want to know who it is that has faith in our family, it's her right over there. And I'm always like, oh, calculated risk, you know? But she's like, let's well, step out by faith. We stepped out by faith. And I can remember, you know, every week saying, now, God, you, you got to supply. Lord, you got to come through. And I, I remember sitting there going, okay, can we cut this? Can we do that? And, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how can I, in my own power, fulfill my commitment? He you to finally get to a point where, God, I, I can't do this. You've got to do this. I can of my own self do nothing. And God says, okay, now that you're at the end of the rope, it's amazing, God's got to get some of us to the end of our rope before we'll really let him step in and be God. God stepped in and took me from the position that I had and put me into another position guess what it gave with the position change a raise you know when I got that raise and they told me now now listen we're gonna move you over here and it's gonna meet an increase in pay I looked down I said okay and they told me how much it was and I just looked at them and on the inside I was going I'll oh, keep it together Hall. Oh, keep it together <laughs> keep it together you know, and I walked out there and I said, yes! <laughs> and I'm sure many of you could tell stories the same. But it's going beyond your power I, to His power. To a willingness to depend upon Him. You know, as the years have gone on, I'll, I'll admit, as the years have gone on, my wife is the one that still has the bigger faith has the bigger faith to, you know. know, When we stepped out to do this, one of the biggest things that she, I mean, just, she was like, no, I'm willing to go and follow whatever. She said, but you know, the one thing that she goes, she goes, I know we're not going to be able to give like we used to could give. And that's where we sat in one of our first missions conferences and the guest speaker started talking about the whole percentage thing. And I'm going, Okay, Lord, let's try this. We give beyond our power. But that's God. That's God. They were willing to go beyond their power. Number three, they gave as fellow laborers. I want to hurry quickly. Look with me in in verse number four. Notice what he says in verse number four praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now I want you to notice with me, this is a little different than how missions is done today. In verse number 4, Because Paul is the one writing here and he is saying that these churches in Macedonia, they were praying us or they were beseeching us with much entry uh, that, that we would receive the gift. In other words, they were the ones, these poor churches were coming to Paul and they were convincing Paul, here, take our money. They had to convince Paul to take... Paul's looking going, oh, I know where you're at. I know what, you know. And they're going, no, 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 no. Paul, listen, for us to receive the blessing, we've got to be involved in what you're doing to get the gospel around the world. Here, take our money. That's a lot different than the way missions is done today. You know, because we as missionaries spend time calling up the churches, saying, hey, please, would you let us come present our burden and everything? But these churches understood... I don't want you to listen to me very carefully. They understood that the Great Commission was given to the church. Now, the church is not a building. The church is people. You are Calvary Baptist Church. This building is not Calvary Baptist Church. This building could burn tonight. Lord, please don't. But this building could burn tonight. And you're still going to have church because you are the church. Right? And these these churches understood that the great commission was given to the churches. Now who are the churches? The people. And they understood that they had a responsibility in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and on to or until they got to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so they sat there and said, hey, the only way that we can fulfill the great commission to get the gospel to the uttermost parts is if we get some people that will go to places we can't go. Most churches miss it today. Most churches sit there and go, "Well, our responsibility is right here, in our Jerusalem." No. Our responsibility as a church is the uttermost parts of the Earth. It starts here, and it spreads out to other places. And these churches at Macedonia, they understood and realized that they had a responsibility to get the gospel to the regions beyond them. And they knew the only, thing that, the only way that was going to happen was that they had to help people get to those other places that they couldn't get to. Now you look at me and you listen to me. The blood of this generation is going to drip from our hands at the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne of judgment. That's a hard saying, but you better understand Ezekiel says if we do not warn them and they die in their iniquity, God will require their blood at our hands. And we as churches have this mindset, I've got to reach my Jerusalem. No, we have a responsibility in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts. And so that means that we take our faith promise commitment and we look for missionaries that we can invest in because they're going to get the gospel to places that we can't go. And if we are going to fulfill the Great Commission, then we've got to Get the gospel to those places. And these churches at Macedonia came to Paul and Paul says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. And notice this, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. You understand when you support a missionary, you remember that phrase last night, ministering to the saints? And you understand when you support a missionary he is going to go preach the gospel, yes in other parts of the world and he's going to minister to people there but you understand he is also ministering to you here. You just saw a video and your pastor stood up and talked about isn't it good to have a part? Yes. Hey, most of you have never been there but you have a part in that. Why is that? It's because of faith, promise, missions, giving. Because you're giving so that you can take part in the ministering of the saints and the fellowship with Him and not only is He ministering to them there, but He is ministering and helping you in this church fulfill the great commission because He is going somewhere you cannot go. When we finally get that, I'm I'm not talking about just this church, but when we finally get that as a church, as a nation of churches here in the United States, that instead of missionaries begging us to come, where we as churches start realizing that if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, we've got to get the gospel and we've got to take the responsibility and we've got to understand it is our responsibility for this generation. And we start saying, okay, okay, I'm just... I I don't know, some people say it's naive. You call it whatever you want to call it. But I still believe that there is a generation that can reach a generation. Because the book of Acts said these that have turned the world upside down. Most people say, well, we can't turn the world upside down. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. We get back to doing scriptural things in a scriptural way. We can turn the world upside down. But they, they uh, gave as fellow laborers, all right? They gave as fellow laborers. Let me give you this last thought, and then we'll go get some ice cream. If y'all hadn't noticed, I like ice cream, amen. In verse number five, verse number six, notice, it says, and this they did, not as we hoped. There's the transparency of Paul. Every missionary comes into every meeting and says, well, you know, I hope, I hope, I you know, da, da 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 And Paul says, this they did, not as we hoped, not as we had wanted to, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Do you, do you see that? Do you see that? I want you to understand, this is the secret. Everybody looks for the secret. This is the secret. So Brother Hole, what is the secret? Give yourself first. Give yourself first. See, if you will give yourself to God, guess what he gets with you? Your wallet. Because you've given yourself to God. And when you give yourself to God, if God doesn't control your wallet, he won't control your will. And we understand everything that we have is God's. And as I said last night with the example of the tithe, you're just giving back to God that which is rightfully His. But when you give yourself to the Lord, it becomes a lot easier to give your possessions. Because they're not your possessions. They're God's. How many times have, have we had an issue with our RV and, and I've said, now, now Lord, you've got to take care of this RV. Not because it's mine. It's his. Well, as soon as we got started going, I mean, God miraculously provided for that RV. And so I'm looking going, well, God, you provided miraculously for it. It's not ours. It's yours. And so many times people look and go, my car. I give people the keys to my car. It's not my car. It's God's car. See where does that happen is when you get to a point where you say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. And see, if you give yourself to God, the stuff doesn't seem to matter much. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See most people live life to try and get the things if they just give themselves to God the things come with it now look at me I don't have a second home you know matter of fact I don't have a first home (laughs) but honestly I've got a lot of homes you know really from from Georgia all the way over to California there are people that brother hall our home is your home Mikasa casa su casa and I, i'll be honest with you with a lot of them i can go in and prop up my feet and feel at home your pastor and his wife their home is one of them you can come in prop up your feet and feel at home so where's how does that happen see god supplies the things when you first give yourself to Him. Yeah. There's times, you know, we're, we're like, my kids will be like, of all the places you travel, my two oldest that are grown in America, Mom, Dad, of all the places you travel, where would you like to live? You know what we always say? On the road. Because we get to enjoy Florida for a little while, and then we can enjoy Arizona for a little while, and, you know, just... Wherever God allows us to have meetings, we can enjoy because we've met people along the way. I understand a little more now about the Lord said that you'll receive a hundredfold, you know, mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and houses and you know. Why? Seek ye first. Give yourself first to the Lord. All right. Now look with me and I'll be done. Verse number six. He says, in so much that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. I I firmly believe that Paul basically was saying, hey, we're going to leave Titus here. Titus has already been working and ministering and everything. And these churches at Macedonia have given so much that that we're going to push off and we're going to go somewhere else, but we're going to leave Titus with you. We're going to leave Titus here to help you. Now, uh, can I say this? I'm going to say it whether you give me permission to or not. But uh, I, I firmly, I don't know, maybe I'm twisting scripture here or something, but I think maybe that the first missionary that you ought to help is your pastor. All right? Now, I don't necessarily mean by you increases his salary, anything like that. But I, I mean this, that I think, I mean, you saw him in pictures in there. And if you as a church are going to have a good missions program, the pastor has to be on the mission field at least every two to three years. Well, I really wish I could get pastors to go every year. But the only way that happens, or I say the only way that happens, well, the biggest ways to help make that happen is for you as a church to decide you're going to support him to go to the mission field. Now, I don't mean permanently. <laughs> I mean for a week or two. See, Paul says we're going to take some of the money and we're going to use it for Titus to stay here, to minister to you, well, you pay him a salary. So I'm I'm flipping it a little bit, all right? Y'all, give me some liberty. I think I've handled the Word of God pretty accurately the last few days, so give me a little bit of leeway with this one. But I think that is something that I see churches that when they do that, and they help their pastor go to the mission field, because he comes back... And I don't know if you noticed the tear in his eye and the catch in his voice when he got up after that video. Why? Because mine eye affecteth my heart. And I'll be real honest and transparent. I'd love for him to come to Asia sometime. There's more to the mission field than Africa. (laughs) Oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Now, I'm done. But I want us to understand this. We sing at our invitation times many times this song, I Surrender All. I think if we're not careful, we all start changing it to I Surrender Some. Because God's going to challenge you. He used Paul in the example of the poor churches in Macedonia to challenge the rich church. You say, Brother Hall, we're, we fit the category of the churches in Macedonia. Great. Then you also have the opportunity out of your deep poverty. We can go all the way to the federal Supreme Court, and what that court decrees, if, that, if what that federal Supreme Court of the United States, if the decision they make violates this book, we have a higher power. Therefore, we're to submit ourselves to the higher power. You know, all over this nation, believe it or not,